Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast. Where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're heading back to space. One last ride on the Galactic Star Cruiser. So should we say we're Lars and Danny then? Should was, we redo the intro? I was going to say, I feel like the subtitle of this episode should be Lars and Danny Ride Again. For those of you who be, may be like, what is happening right now? <laughs> uh, if you did not listen to our episode from our first voyage on the Galactic Star Cruiser, we went by, fully immersed ourselves, did not go by Joe and Angela on this. Two common <laughs> earthly names. We had to go by something uh, much more in-universe and memorable. We went by, I was Lars. Actually, it would have been funny if you were Lars, but I was <laughs> Lars. Which uh, we then later realized was actually... Um, was actually Anakin's yeah, it's like, a name stepfather's in Star Wars. Yeah. name. Yeah. That's why it works so well. That's why I was like, Lars, it's a great name. So yeah. I was Lars, you were Danny. So yeah, we we had to go back to the Star Cruiser since it's closing. So we were able, uh, fortunately, to make another voyage. And really, I think wanted to do this episode because it is closing. And I almost feel like this can kind of be a time capsule for looking back on, wow, how great was that? Remember that one time Disney did that really awesome thing? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about it again today. And interestingly enough, I feel like, at least for me, my experience the second voyage was different um, than my first voyage, but also better. Like It, it very much surprised me um, how the second voyage turned out. So I think it'll be kind of interesting to talk through that. And I think talk through some of the things that Disney got right with this, some of the things they didn't get right, and, and maybe what they can learn from it. Yeah, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, you mentioned, you know, it's a time capsule. And, you know, I can't help but think of how we talked about the Adventurers Club. And I researched that and like, we really looked into what it was like, but we had never gotten a chance to experience it. I feel like this is that except for we actually got to experience it yeah if so, that makes sense. so you're saying like in a decade when some young disney podcasters look back <laughs> to listen to this i mean hey we're already our image and likeness has been sent out across the universe oh yeah for the disney 100 exhibition so maybe those aliens will listen to this but before we get too much into that do want to cover the disney news of the week um and interestingly enough when we were talking about one of the most expensive experiences Disney has launched at a theme park. News came out today. Bob Iger was talking, I believe it was at a Morgan Stanley conference, um, that the price hikes are getting a little bit out of control. So it's interesting what we're talking about and what you know Bob Iger kind of mentioned that he talked about the, uh, the price hikes are getting to be a little bit much at the parks. And he's mentioned this before. And what I think is interesting with this is he talked about the need to balance profitability with kind of the guest experience. And I feel like this is something that you've not heard Disney talk about the past few years. And I think it's something, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I know we've talked about it privately at least where it's like, you know, Disney saying, hey, we need to charge more for this at the same time their theme parks are making billions and billions of dollars. And so to a certain mm -hmm. extent, you're like, hey, if you need to pay cast members some more, like just pay them more, you know, so you make $6 billion instead of $7 billion. Like, I think a lot of people look at that and go, yeah, why do you need to charge us for Genie Plus? So you make a few hundred million dollars less. It's not that big a deal. So I think it's interesting that he's talking about this, that, you know, they're, they're saying they can, they can still maintain profitability without raising prices. I also think some of this is driven by the fact that attendance is light and bookings are light. So, mm. you know, we went over 4th of July weekend and it really wasn't that crowded, um, which we were kind of surprised by. Yeah, I feel like we only waited like 20, 30 minutes for 
a lot of the rides that typically we're waiting like an hour for. Yeah, it, it was um, it was pretty light. And this kind of comes coupled with the news that the bounce back offers are back. And I think that's another sign that, hey, bookings aren't going so well, where if you stay at Disney, Disney will then send you an offer either when you check out or shortly after saying, hey, if you book another trip, I think you have like a week or so to book it. We will give you 20, I think up to 30, 35% off depending on where you stay on a future trip. Oh, uh, so did we book again? Did you book something, babe? Is this your way of telling no. me you booked another trip? I did not. I did not book another trip. But oh. but these were something that um, you know pre-pandemic was popular, and it is a way to drive when bookings are low and they don't have a lot of demand to get people kind of enticed to come back. So I, I think all of this you know comes together. I think it's interesting. Bob Iger's talking about price. I think it is. You know, you like to think it's him thinking, oh, let's think of the guests and make this more affordable for people. But I think if you look at other things that are happening, attendance wasn't that great over you know the holiday weekend. They're doing the bounce back offers. So obviously, bookings are light. I think it's more of, hey, we need more people to come to the parks. So we need to lower the price for that reason, not because, hey, we're, you know, we're thinking of the guests. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because, um, you know, Universal, I mean, they mentioned too over the holiday weekend, their attendance wasn't as high as it's been. I think I saw somewhere that this was the slowest 4th of July weekend in the past decade. Wow. Um, so, you know, definitely dropping off. And, and I think we're probably going to see more of this. So I think the chances of if you're interested in going to Disney, there's probably a good chance that you're going to see pretty good discounts um, coming up, maybe even like free dining uh, plans next year again. Yeah, I feel like maybe, I don't know, this is just kind of conjecture. At first, I was thinking maybe it was just because of the heat. Like Florida was, it was absolutely almost unbearable because it was like 100 degrees with 100% humidity pretty much. And it was really pretty miserable to be in the park. So it's almost like maybe they the lines were that light because people would get in the park and be like, dude, I can't deal with this. But I don't think that that's really necessarily it. I think that maybe it's just a sign of people are paying a lot for a lot of things right now. Housing costs are really high. And so people don't have that discretionary spending to go to an amusement park. So maybe this is Bob Iger just kind of recognizing, hey, we we need to do something, you know, that with the previous piece of news and then this one too, we need to do something to lower the cost so that we can attract more people to come. Definitely. Uh, the other piece of news is the D23 event that's going to be happening in Orlando uh, in a couple months here. They announced the uh, panels and kind of presentations that are going to be happening. And we've talked a lot about this where Disney doesn't have like any new rides coming up that we know about. Hopefully they announce something big mm -hmm. um, at D23. Based on what I'm seeing, I'm not expecting much at all from this event. It's really interesting. Most of the panels are either uh, discussions with voice actors who voice uh, different Disney characters like Mickey Mouse and Goofy on the cartoons. Kind of there's like a couple panels about them. And then it's a lot of stuff from the archives. It really seems to be archive heavy, history heavy about the 100 years of the Disney company. So it's like the, the, the strangest things that have happened in the 100 years of the Disney company, the history of audio animatronics, a couple panels with some of the people from the Disney archives. Nothing really talks about anything looking forward. It all seems to be looking back. 
Even the parks panel, so this is kind of what the description of it was, is a presentation from Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh DeMauro about what makes a Disney experience so magical and memorable for guests and fans around the world. So it sounds like Josh DeMars is going to come out and talk about why Disney parks are so cool. Nothing about the future, nothing about new rides. So I, I think based on this, I don't think it looks good for any major news coming out of Disney, which again, I think to what we were previously talking about, about people not going to the parks, there's really not going to be anything to drive anybody to go to the park. So they are going to have to offer these discounts because to your point, you know, discretionary funds are are tight for people right now. A lot of people probably went to Disney after the pandemic because they hadn't gone for a couple years. And now it's like, well, what's new? What's my point You know, to go again here um, when there's nothing new and I just went? The hopeful part of me just says that they didn't want to come out and really advertise a lot of this. So, you know, it's possible for them to say, here's where we've been. And then at the end, tack on and here's where we're going. And they don't have to you know, put a big banner about that. Maybe we'll get a blue sky again. Hey, we could build this here now. You know, <laughs> we, we talked about Moana last time, but now we're maybe thinking Frozen. What do you guys think about that? Or, or hey, we're, now we're actually thinking, not Elemental. Elemental hasn't done no, that. No, we well were talking about Zootopia, office. right? Yeah. yeah we oh, were yeah. talking about Zootopia yeah, so, yeah, or Dino Zootopia. Land. Is, yeah. 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 I think, I think maybe we'll get some of that. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I do think that the parks I think are very cognizant and it seems like the board is cognizant of the fact that, you know, economically they're trying to make a lot of money. They're trying to recover from money that they've lost. And so they're being very conservative in their spending. And so it does make me concerned because again, yeah, right now that's kind of where we are, but going forward, if they want to continue to get some people to want to come down, they've got to invest in the park some. Also, food and wine, some of the menu items or some of the announcements at the booths have dropped. We had some like Muppets themed stuff too. There was like a little Muppets video. It sounds like they'll have like a Muppets booth there as well this year. Yeah. So there's actually five new booths. So they're char they're called Char and Chop. There's a big theme here. See if you can pinpoint it. Char and Chop, Wine and Wedge, Bubbles and Wine, and Swirled so- Showcase. That one's the outlet. That one, it's it's all something and something else yeah exactly and it was said that these are going to premiere later this fall so i think it's like i can't remember off the top of my head i think it was like july 28th or something yeah food and wine does this because it's so long now because they basically extended it to be like half a year where they do this where they'll open up and then halfway through food and wine new booths open to get people to come back i think that's their way of getting people especially locals to return more than once is you make it so they can't see everything all at one time. Yes. So, and then there's another um, another place called Flavors of America, which is replacing hops and barley. I think that that one's gone now. And just a couple of the things. So there's some new menu items. The new places, their menus aren't out yet because they're so new and they're not going to be out right away. But I looked through the menus real quick just to see some of the, the items that are brand new. And Flavors from Fire has uh something that sounds really odd to me but i might it's so weird that i maybe would give it a try it's spiced chocolate tart with barbecue potato chip crust salted whiskey caramel and smoked sea salt so that sounds like weirdly interesting and then grease um has a plant-based impossible moussaka i think i'm saying that right which i had to look up because i have no idea what that is and that is a sandwich that's made of eggplant or potato um, and then it has ground meat in it. So it looked pretty good, um, kind of toasted and like something I would maybe want to try. 
So yeah, looks great. And then one final thing, not having to do with food and wine, is that at Rogers the Musical, there have been some scrolls cited. Yeah, Disney's been marketing the Secret Invasion series very interestingly because they've had scrolls pop up everywhere. I think they actually had like scrolls on some actual like news stations. Like like doing newscasts, <laughs> they they just pop up randomly in the background. Yeah, so. it's really interesting. They like have their regular newscaster, and then they the camera goes away, and then when they very they, they come back, it's just a scroll. No, they set, did that. Right? Yeah, they did. Did that. they really yeah, do that? They had they had scrolls wearing on, the same clothes on um on like newscasts and stuff to like really do this like marketing of like scrolls are everywhere. So it's interesting they're throwing them uh, in Rogers the Musical. Uh, which debuted as well to, to try to get people to watch that show over on Disney Plus. So, all right, let's jump into the Star Cruiser here. So, just a kind of brief backstory recap here. If you're not familiar with what the Galactic Star Cruiser is, or even if you think you are, if you've not been on it, it's it's completely a very different hard that, yeah. experience to explain. Which I think which, I think that was Disney's biggest yes. problem is is that they didn't know how to market it themselves because they're used to marketing hey come ride tron tron's this new ride we can show you uh tron come ride it or something like that we can show you a ride photo and in this yeah exactly they can't really show it's a roller coaster you know and and yeah you can see what the galactic star cruiser looks like you can know hey i'm gonna do a bridge training hey i'm gonna go do lightsaber training it's very experiential and the value is in the experience yeah yeah meeting and talking with the characters and kind of living in that world for a couple of days. So what it is, is it's essentially, it is a cruise is how they do it. It's a cruise on land. The idea is you're in space. Um, you are in a you know hotel. Yes, there are no windows to the outside, um, but actually it, it's quite cool uh, how they do that. You really don't miss um, not being able to see the outside. There's a climate simulator, um, which is the outdoors if you need to you know kind of go outside. Like we said, it was very warm when we were down there. So this time, did not really need to spend time in the climate simulator um, because it was so hot out there. <laughs> I, we avoided it. Yeah, like didn't want blood. to be out there outside. But but yeah, so it, it's basically two days. Um, you board in the afternoon on the first day. You have a, a full day the second day. And then you, you leave on the morning of the third day. But it's a completely immersive as much as you want it to be. Again, can use fake names like we did. You don't necessarily have to. You can kind of come up with character backstories. And you interact. Well, you don't have to. And you can wear your regular street clothes if you want to. Exactly. You or can. you can dress up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can, you can kind of go um, any level you want to. And you interact with a cast of characters, uh, including Captain Keevan, who is the captain of the ship, Linka Mock, who is the cruise director, uh, Lieutenant Harmon Croy, who is with the I First you're Order. Say Lieutenant Dan. Not Lieutenant I really Dan. thought you were going to say it. Lieutenant Harmon Croy. Um, there is Sammy, who is a mechanic. You have the Saja, who are basically Jedi, but not really Jedi. They're Force users uh, who kind of train you in the lightsaber training. Uh, you have Gaia, who's an international superstar, her manager, Wraith Cole, uh, Sandro, who is this kind Olamander. of... Yeah, this kind of... Uh, Looking He's for an aspiring, love. Yeah, aspiring musician. Musician. Uh, kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, yep. And you have Wani, who is Gaia's um, accompanist. Yeah, and she, she accompanist. Is that yes. how you say that word? Yes, she. I forget the species she is, but she Rodian? is the same. I believe that's how you say it. Um, but she's the same species as Greedo. So if you're familiar with with Greedo, who shot first. Um, she's the same species as, as him. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the cast of characters, and you can interact with them. Um, it, it is interesting in that way, and again, it's it's a place where you don't get that at Disney where you can kind of walk up. I mean, it's like if you went to Princess uh, Fairytale Hall in Magic Kingdom where you can meet the princesses, and you just 
hung out with the princesses for two days and it was kind of like but that you, was and their you house help them. yeah okay i actually really like this i'm gonna run with this a little bit you meet with the princesses and then you're able to interact with them choose which princess that you want to align yourself with and help them solve a problem depend like and they all have different problems and they're technically working against each other too slash together so it, it's just a very really cool experience and i think that yeah there's no concise way of explaining it yeah and and there's you know there's a a loose story and and one thing i found interesting this time because i tried to go in a path and talk to characters i didn't talk to as much Mm -hmm. the first time because we said hey this is the last time we're going to be able to do this Let's kind of fill in the gaps for things we missed last time. So yep. the the first voyage, I definitely went very heavy towards the First Order with Lieutenant Croy. I ended up with Lieutenant Croy kind of at the end of the day, still on a First Order path, but I, I got to it in a different way this time. You mean this time, yeah. Yeah, this this time. Um, and, and last time v- was very much with Wraith Cole and his kind of side mission. So, so this time, I definitely wanted to spend more time and talk with the captain and Linka uh, and Sammy as much as I could just to kind of fill in what their backstories were. And also Sandra, because last time I didn't even realize Sandra was there until basically <laughs> the end of it. And they were like, and other people were telling me, oh yeah, like we helped him write a song. This happened. Yeah, I, I was like, what happened? When was all of our this? Our friends so, said that they attended yeah. their first date. And this Sandra is the same, and Wani. Right. Yeah. And this is the friends that we went back to the Halcyon with this time as well. So again, I mean, this is going to be a thread for me once I talk is like the, the lasting friendships that you're able to create on the Star Cruiser. So those were the people I kind of planned uh, to interact with more. And I definitely uh, did. And, and I'll kind of get to my voyage because like i said i I ended up still with the first order and this is an interesting thing which i hope i'm sure you're going to talk about yeah and it's interesting because i i did try to push things a little bit because i was curious of how kind of the game mechanics worked and and i am interested i didn't do it because i i did kind of i was afraid i didn't want to screw things up too bad even though the nice thing is if, if you don't get invited to something, you can kind of talk to the cast members of like... Which we did. Hey, I, I didn't yeah. get the thing I wanted. Can you kind of help me out? So if I would have screwed it up real bad, they probably could have fixed it. But I, I kind of got a little bit scared that I didn't want to push it too much. But I'll, I'll kind of get it into that because it is interesting kind of the path that I took. For me, I decided again this time. So last time we, we followed Wraith Cole a lot. Um, and we did pretty much his entire track. That's where I, who I was with primarily. You were with Croy primarily. I was with Wraith Cole. And then also um, I ended up kind of in the end with... A little the, resistance. With the yeah. resistance and, and the Saja a bit. So last time, basically, I... I was I we took place in the height like we we were part of the heist and we did the proposal and then yeah so and when you say the heist race story and, and there's gonna be spoilers in it because I mean at this point again it's not like people are if you've not booked yeah you know, you're, you're probably not going at this point well I mean um but yeah um but Wraith's story kind of culminates with him stealing a stone that's on the Halcyon for Gaia to take back to Ryloth. And he, through the, through the story, recruits a crew. And you basically get on his crew to become part of this heist. And so we played a role in that. We got on his crew. We were a distraction. We did a fake proposal to kind of distract people as part of it. So that's the heist you're kind of you're talking about Yeah, that's what I'm alluding yeah. to. So I did that. And then I also was able to see like the holocron moment with... um you know, Yoda 
And so that was with the Saja. And then I also got into, because I think it was, we missed the bridge training. I got put into like this part with Ray and just kind of sneaking her onto the ship. So this time I wanted to kind of steer clear of a lot of that stuff and go a different route. So I went full first order this time, outfits and all. And I just, I followed Lieutenant Croy mostly. I kind I didn't really talk to Sammy at all. And then just like you, I also spent a lot of time with Sandro because I felt like it wasn't too much of a conflict to be with Croy and Sandro. But I tried really hard to stay pretty hard with Croy because I wanted to be with him. The nice thing about Sandro, and I think this is one of the downsides and one of the critiques I would have of the Star Cruiser, because definitely this time it was fully booked. Everything's fully booked now um, until it's done. And and it was not fully booked when we went the first time. So I didn't feel that much more crowded, but you could definitely tell at certain instances there were more people. People like Sammy, people like the re- the Resistance, the Captain and Linka, when you can find them, mm-hmm. people gravitate towards them, especially yeah. like the children. Because Sammy's with Chewbacca, so the kids kind of follow him around. So it can be hard to get into that circle. I And, and that's and one of the hard. reasons. It's, I think it's hard, too, for kids to play with. You know, they see things as right and wrong. And 100% I do, too. But I, I was able to this time say, okay, I am going to be first order, even though I don't agree with the first order. Yeah, and and I, kids don't do that as well. And I think they they recruit the kids to help the resistance. Oh, Because there's, yeah. there's the Lothcat group. And, and so they, they kind of help them. But... But even, you know, everybody else kind of gravitates towards that because there's a lot of action going on there. And so it makes it hard to really, like, kind of get in the the inner circle there and really get a lot of one-on-one interactions. And I actually had a hard time. Again, I wanted to spend time and follow Sammy. I had a hard time finding him. Mm -hmm. I I saw him. I, I followed him around a little bit. I don't know that I personally introduced myself to him at any point. So he was kind of difficult yeah. to, to get around. I did have a chance to talk with the captain and Linka. Um, but again, they kind of go away. They're in bridge training a lot the first day. So it, it's difficult to get a hold of them. But somebody like Sandro, very few people follow him around. because Well, he does, he's not on the data pad either. Right. So when you... He doesn't seem like he's you, part of the story. So yeah. And this is, again, for somebody who maybe hasn't been on the Star Cruiser, you don't necessarily realize... Every time you interact with a character, you basically, I mean, especially early on, you basically get a message from them saying that your familiarity has gone up. And then sometimes you will get other messages from them asking you to help them. But Sandro is not on the data pad at all. He's not even listed as a character. So I feel like I also have heard that people said that with Sandro, the first time they saw him, like the they didn't realize whether he was a cast member or if he was just a person a, a Voyager that was on the ship that just was really well dressed. Yeah. And and his story is kind of outside of the main story. It's like, if you, if you never followed his story, you're not going to miss anything. Well, but, and it but, doesn't really intersect because I, he even said to me at the very end when we were kind of finishing up, he said, Oh, I didn't know what your alignment was. Cause he was alluding to the fact that I was first order. And you know, I, I said, oh, I finally came around, but it, they don't, it doesn't really right, matter. Exactly. It's, it's not, imp- it's not really important to the story, but it, it's kind of like tangent to the story. Yeah. And, and that's my point. So a lot of people I think don't follow him around for those reasons because Which he, I loved because he doesn't tie into the main story and a lot of people don't know he's there, but that's exactly my point is by following him around, we were one of maybe 10 people, you yep. know, maybe a dozen people total that really had like repeated serious interactions with him. Yeah. What did um, he call us at the end? 
uh, the San, uh, the Sandro Seven is yeah. kind of a name we came up with ourselves. But but uh, you and me uh, and our friends we were with. So the four of us, it was just the four of us and him writing a song, which was absolutely incredible because he wrote a song on the fly. Live. So talented. He was like, okay, I need to write a song for Wani. Uh, can you give me an idea? Do we want it upbeat? Do we want it slow? You know, and, and let's you know give me some ideas for lyrics and what can we rhyme with that? And in probably like 10 minutes wrote a song, which then he performed. Um, yeah. it's kind of it, to he, a larger group. So yeah, he performed it for Wani and yeah. in front of everyone. And he had us as backup singers. Yeah, so, I mean, it was such a great character interaction and again, people can pass right by that. They didn't even realize that was even going on, I'm sure. Right. And so my, my point with that is, is that that is so incredible. Like that's mm-hmm. a moment you're always going to remember. And I think that's my one critique about the Star Cruiser is that they, they, they almost need more characters. Like they yeah. need more people there because... More characters like that. Yeah, and I think just, just more people in general because like you know, the Saja are busy with lightsaber training. Like we talked about the captain is, is busy on the bridge the first day. It's very hard. Like you see those people and then they disappear and you can be walking around the ship looking for people and you just, you happen to be where they just were and you could walk around for a while and not see anybody. And so I feel like if they had a few more people like Sandra, where their story, if you didn't follow it, you're not going to miss out on the overall story, but it, gives you something to do and kind of helps disperse the crowds i think that would have would have helped yeah the first day i definitely had a lot of fomo um because i felt like there were things going on that i was missing out on i just didn't know where they were going on and i do think that kind of going back to your critique having other characters or even additional saja like the second day another saja shows up um, and you know, having him that first day would have been advantageous because it would have drawn crowds away from the other things and kind of just given people a little bit more to do. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the data pad. So um, again, just for people who may not be familiar with this, you you interact live the play with the Disney people. app. Yeah, you interact live with the people, and then on the Play Disney app, they have a data pad where you get uh, messages from those characters. So if you interact with them live. You then get a message from them, and then depending on how you respond, this is kind of the path it puts you on. And this is where I was kind of saying that it's interesting to see the game mechanics and how it kind of pushes you on a path. Because I went in, and my kind of idea was I wanted to try to be somewhat of a double agent. So I wanted to go with the resistance and and see what the resistance was, but I kind of wanted to play it, hey, I'm, I'm helping Lieutenant Croy infiltrate the resistance. And, and I wanted to be a double agent. So I wanted to see kind of how I could push that. And what I found interesting was I answered basically everyone, the captain, Linka, Lieutenant Croy, yes, yes to everything. And I, I kind of told them, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I'm, I'm kind of on board here. And I talked with, I made sure like I went, I talked with both of them. I actually got invited to a secret meeting the first night with the captain in the cargo hold. And I was in there and she was talking about um, that she's part of the resistance and she was giving some backstory about Sammy, which was interesting. So I got a little bit more understanding of Sammy and why he's on this ship. Um, cause he had a run in with the first order and she picked him up. It was supposed to be a quick thing, but now the lieutenant's on the ship and it, it kind of complicates things and that, you know, link is a part of the resistance, but they kind of work independently. So like that was good backstory. Um, but I was still working with Croy, but what's interesting about that is there's, there's no real way 
to kind of like fully play a double agent. It, it's interesting because I did get a message um, the second day. It was fr- from the captain, right? From the captain. And I think from Linka that asked me like, am I still willing to help the resistance? And I said, yes, I'm still willing to help. Um, and, and I think one of them actually said, you're playing a double agent. Well, like they, they made reference to it, but what's interesting is all of my missions on Batu and all of my kind of sub finales. So every, every kind of storyline gets a sub finale race is the highest, like we've talked about. Um, but then everybody else has a, an engineering room, uh, kind of sub finale and a bridge sub finale. Um, that was all first order stuff. So it's, it almost seems like if you answer the first order in any way affirmative, it kind of puts you on that track. And I think it's because there's not as, as many, many people, people that go that way. And that's how they kind of split the crowds. But what I noticed is, you know, when you're going through it, even when you're falling resistance, so much of what they're doing, you know, they let Chewbacca get arrested. They let them bolt up the droid SK. And they kind of tell you, we did this on purpose so that Croy thinks we're helping them go and help Croy to get in his good graces so that he'll tell you information. So even when you're following the resistance, they kind of tell you, Hey, go see Croy a little bit because you're, you're a spy for us. So it's almost like you have to answer Croy no on the data pad and yes for all the resistance stuff to kind of get fully in the resistance. So it's interesting how that, that double agent thing works. The other thing, uh, just kind of quickly wrap up with this is that there's no way for you to like sabotage because the other thing I was thinking of is uh, when I was on Batu and you do special missions that tie into the rides on Batu um, and just, and just different things around the park, all of my stuff was for Lieutenant Croy. And I thought about I, I kind of I want to be resistance again. I'm, I'm this double agent. Maybe I decide I want to go full resistance here. There was no way for me to not do what Croy wanted me to. Like, well, I didn't co- you? Isn't there a way for you to have answered like, oh no, nothing happened? No, on the that's res- the that's the thing. Because I, I can't. Okay, all, there were three options, and all were basically saying the same thing. Yeah. So it was either like it was like we got the coaxium. Yeah, it was like it was like we did it. The resistance escaped, or the resistance said this. Like there was no way for me to kind of sabotage what was happening for, for me to tell him to lie. And then all of a sudden now get a message from the captain saying you get stuff like that on night one. Cause I accidentally right. did that to Croy. I accidentally answered one of the questions and he was like, Oh, I guess I'm not going to get anything from you. And I freaked out. Cause I'm like, I thought I answered this to help him. Yeah. And I yeah. was upset about so, it. But so I, I, I found it interesting. Cause I, I was like, Oh, if I could say no, what, you know, and then the captain says, Hey, you did a great job protecting our secrets. I'm going to invite you to this special meeting we're having in the engineering room. Like, I feel like that would take it up like a whole other level there. Um, the other thing I thought about too, a- after the fact was because we did have the engineering room where we were sabotaging the ship with Croy is like, what if I just didn't do it? What if I was like a, re- a resistance spy and I just did a really bad job? Like, he, well, he could have kicked me out. I was going to say, perfect. We, there were a couple instances where we actually saw people get kicked out. Um, and I, it was a very interesting thing. I don't remember that from the first time around, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But closely. I even wonder, would it, would it have failed? Like if I didn't try that well, oh, like, would it have still so. succeeded? Like, would he have maybe seen that and been like, what's happening and, and thrown me out? So those are a couple of things I, I thought about, but again, couldn't push it, you know, that far. Well, I, 
I got the impression this time around, and I think that you had this happen because there was something in the brig with trying to get the break the stormtroopers out, and you had to bring from the um not data pad, but they have these big like terminals, a console, yeah, yeah, and you have to bring like the code to to for the brig out like to open it up, and you had mentioned that you punched it in, but it didn't work correctly, even though you you punched it in. And I do think a lot of that has to do with timing because they have a show to run. And so because they have a show and they need to make sure everybody hits their beats at the time where they need to hit their beats so that people and characters are able to intersect at the right time, which is why they, I think, have the earpieces in their ears is to let them know like, hey, you got to wrap this up. Hey, you got to get here by now. And so, you know, that part was meant to sort of like slow down. And if, if you had sabotaged, I feel like it still would have gone okay. And because there's a big board that lights up all red, if you're successful. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting about the stormtroopers being locked up, um, that definitely was, we could not figure out the code because eventually, and, and it was interesting to see this kind of stuff because eventually a cast member just came over and unlocked it. Like we were trying, I thought it wasn't working right. No, we were trying to relay oh, okay. the message and, they, they couldn't get it to work. And then they were yelling us numbers that didn't even <laughs> that make sense on, there. <laughs> on the pad. And and it, to your point, it worked. I mean, the, it, it, what part of it is to stall for time? But then mm-hmm. eventually it was like, okay, we got to go. And the cast member just came over and went, like hit four buttons real fast and just unlocked the thing. I was like, oh, cool, we did it. Because at that point, it was time to go. So it is interesting was, to kind of see when, when you bump up against was that. Was that the piece right before... Ray and um no okay that no. was earlier yeah no okay. that was later yeah the, okay. the stormtrooper stuff uh was was definitely oh earlier, that's right so. that's right okay yeah. so for me on my end I again I tried to go straight first order I did have that mishap where I accidentally on the calm um responded negatively to Lieutenant Croy I was panicking at that point because I'm like oh no I'm gonna be thrown off his track I will say like I pretty much I was I was I entertained the Saja and him everybody else I answered I don't want anything to do with you and it was interesting because I did not get tracked for Croy at the very end I got a little bit um I believe I had his bridge well, training no, you, it's interesting that you said the Saja because you had one event for the Saja well, and one was, event for Croy that's what I was yeah. gonna say I think I had his bridge training oh I did have his bridge training because I had never in the last experience and this one, I never had anything in the engineering room. And it was like a big thing for me last trip because I kept going around the engineering room trying to figure out what it did. And I was a little frustrated that I didn't get anything for the engineering room. So like, luckily (laughs) we were with friends. So she went and she asked like, Hey, we actually got, you know, the Saja experience with the Holocron and we were trying to get into Croy's and um, the engineering room, and they actually switched all of us to that particular activity, which was great. Um, well, I had it already. Because, you did, yeah. You I, had it. I didn't do anything with the Saja, so yeah. I had it, and that's why I said, "Hey, are you guys in the engineering room?" And I was like, "No." Yeah, because you're like, "Oh, you have the Saja at the same time." Um, so yeah, so you were able to to kind of move into that, right? And which was a lot of fun. So, um, but all in all, like. I kind of going back to Sandra because I think that, you know, we, I played it just straight Croy pretty much the whole time. Sandro, um, I again wanted to be near him. I thought that it didn't conflict with my story at all. And that was like probably one of the most rewarding things because as you were saying, nobody was looking really at Sandro. So almost every time, I don't want to say nobody, but 
he wasn't somebody who had like a huge following, but the actor who played him was amazing. He was really great. Um, did a really great job making the stories, made a really did a good job making us feel included. And there, his and Wani's story is very cute. Um, it's very much plays that of like young love because eventually he gets a crush on Wani. And there's a scene that takes place in the sublight lounge where he is explaining his excitement over, um, I believe it's a meeting with Gaia. Is that what it was? Yeah, he got, yeah, he gets he like gets five a, minutes with, right. with Gaia, and which of I course, think again, is part of a distraction for uh, the heist. Like, like that, his moment with Gaia. You know, again, he's he's for his character. It's like, oh man, I get to meet Gaia, the superstar. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to do, but she's really there because they just stole the stone. It's and, kind of almost like an alibi. Like, oh, I'm busy in a meeting. Well, yeah, with because Sandra. they bring her her luggage, which has has the hidden it, yeah. contraband in yep. it and maybe coaxium in it, and so like it's all part of of this. And again. You see one part of it because we're following Sandro, whereas the people following Gaia were there for another piece of it. And it's just interesting how that all interacts. Yeah, I feel like if I did it again, I would want to follow Gaia because I think she's the one piece because you can interact with her. She's the one piece of the puzzle that I don't fully get, although we've we've seen some parts with her whenever we did um, the Wraith Cole storyline. But anyway, so Sandro has this whole moment with Wani and he is trying to express his excitement over this meeting with Gaia that he's gotten, but it turns out that the way he phrases everything is just all wrong and just he completely insults Wani. She gets upset and she storms out of the sublight lounge, which is the bar area. And it was just so funny because we were all sitting there like, Sandro, stop, stop, stop talking, stop talking. And then eventually he talked us through, and this was one of my favorite moments on the ship this time. We like, he was like, oh my gosh, I really messed up. How am I going to apologize? And he pointed to you and me and he's like, okay, Danny, you be me in this situation. And Lars, you be Wani. And it was the funniest thing because I start to sincerely try to apologize to you while you're like swaying your hips around because Wani. If you've ever seen Wani, if you've not seen her, um, look up video of her. But she's she does not speak English. She speaks Hutneys. Uh, Hutneys. And so um, she just makes a lot of like weird sounds, but she like giggles a lot and she's just very she's bubbly yeah she's, she's very, very bubbly I, I think she moves her hips around a lot her fingers move a lot because mm-hmm. i think that activates her voice like what she says so she's kind of constantly moving around and so yeah i just kind of did this like very fluid movement and giggle so the whole time yeah. i'm trying to apologize to you you're doing this little wani dance and it is it was just hilarious. I got and Sandro to laugh when I first did it. He he laughed he for like a second. He like kind of broke character. Yeah, and I was like, oh I wait, mean, I got to turn it because he was like, well, that was kind of me. Like he was like, don't make fun of Wani like that. But it was it was. He's so like, good. oh wait, I'm supposed to like this, uh, Wani. I can't. can't yeah, let you make fun. It of It was just so. It was so good. Like that whole thing, like the the little love story between them, and then his kind of budding career, and whether it's like legit. I mean, it was. It started, I think, as like part of the heist, and then eventually, it actually kind of by the end, it becomes real, and he does end up getting like kind of a music deal out of it. But it's just such a beautiful little story, and it's something that's kind of hidden. I want to get into a little bit here the fact that this was our second voyage on it, and kind of mindset going into it versus you know expectations versus what happened. Because I, I will say, I was excited to go. You know, once we heard it was closing, we were like, we, we got to try at least one more time to witness this because this is something 
that's kind of going to go down in Disney history, good or bad, depending on how you look at it. So want to be a part of it again if we can. So I was excited, you know, when we booked it. Leading up to it, and once we're down in in, in Disney, we, you know, we went a few days beforehand. We we're to the parks. I was kind of like nervous. Was this a mistake? Like, did we did we book this and it's it's going to be a letdown? Is it not going to work the way we think it's going to work? There's going to be so many people there. Every everybody's going to try to be trying to get the greatest experience of all time and you're going to kind of be shut out. This and you're is not, interesting hearing this because and you're not gonna have, you didn't articulate any of this to me Yeah, and, and you're not going to... We talked a little bit about it and it's like you, you're not going to be able to, to kind I of experience you, it. You didn't want to tell me that, I think, because you didn't want to try to tarnish well, yeah, it for yeah. me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you don't, you, you don't want to get worried about it. But I, I will say, I actually found it... Better? Better the second time. And, and I think this is... Again, this is the other thing that I think Disney struggled with. It's hard to market... It's something that they need people to come back to. It is something that is better when you go back more than once. The problem is it's kind of cost prohibitive to go multiple times. But the fact that I kind of knew what to expect and I knew how to talk with the characters because I kind of knew what their stories were. So it's kind of easier to bring up a conversation when you know this is how the conversation's supposed to go. This is where they want the conversation to go. I actually found it a lot easier to approach the characters the first night. Whereas the first voyage, I felt like I kind of was just like standing around like a wallflower. Yeah. Waiting for people to kind of come to me. I felt easier going into there. And I, and I do feel like all of the other people on board, like, again, I was worried that, Hey, would they, would they be, everybody's trying to get the best experience. Um, and it's going to be hard to kind of interact with characters. Everybody on board was so awesome and cool. It was like, it was this insane celebration of everybody knew they were here celebrating what the Star Cruiser was, and it was trying to make sure mm-hmm. everybody had the best time. Dozen people probably made things to hand out and give to people. Two to other passengers, not just the cast, but two passengers they were passing. I was just going to say, crazy. I mean, and I knew this was going to happen. I mean, yeah, there was a Facebook group ahead of time that I didn't really pay attention to. I probably would have known that this was going to happen, but while we were standing in the hallway waiting to even go in somebody came around and was passing stuff out to and meeting everyone and i'm like whoa this is completely different you know than the th- than the first time because and and that actually kind of helped to set the tone for me too a little bit so her name was indy but she went around and she passed this stuff out and it made me think like it made me feel like you know what i need to be more uh, outgoing on this voyage. Like I need to not kind of sit back and, and be tentative about things. I need to be more like her and go out and try to meet people and try to talk people up. And I, I, I mean, this is kind of one of the things I think I I'm going to take away from the star cruiser is just, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah. And it's interesting because again, I feel like it was easier to do that because you were more comfortable knowing what was going to happen and you're yeah. more comfortable interacting with the actors and other people on board. And this is the one thing I, I thought about on the trip. And again, of like, well, what went wrong here? What could have Disney done better? And I do kind of go back to this idea of like, they needed, they needed multiple voyages. So they had this voyage, which was like the full blown experience. If you want to call it, they needed like an appetizer. To, to come in and I almost thought they were going to do something like this whenever uh, you know in October it was originally going to go to just weekends and then like Tuesday Wednesday Thursday they weren't oh, going to yeah. have anything we talked about this yeah and I kind of thought they were going to do something like this and I think it would have helped that if they would have just had 
a dinner show uh, or you know some sort some sort of dinner show you know you could have done a couple a night where you come in from galaxy's edge you see guy perform you have you know kind of a pared down version of the meal and maybe a few characters are there maybe you just even just some saja and maybe wraith cole's there because he introduces guy and let i mean people... it could even be a mini story with you know a a, a first order lieutenant coming aboard and interrupting the show or something yeah i, I don't even think you need to get that deep into it i mean I, again you they got, could but just you, to help sell it you got to figure again a dinner show what's an hour and a half two hours maybe but if you would have had that at a, at a much lower price point a lot more people would have signed up for it and they would have figured out okay I, again i don't need to know everything there is to know about star wars i don't need a super detailed backstory i can kind of interact with these people like this it's pretty easy to do you would be more likely to sign up for the full voyage because you would feel more comfortable going into it. And I also think Disney could have then targeted these people and said, hey, you signed up for our dinner thing. You know, this voyage date isn't that crowded. We'll give you 25% off if you come do the full thing. And again, you're going to know it's what to expect because I, I really do think that was a huge hurdle, not knowing what to expect. I remember on our first voyage, I'm like, I've watched the Star Wars movies that's about it. I couldn't name mm-hmm. you a planet outside of like Tatooine, Dagobah. You know, like I don't know all of these different planets. Am I going to be kind of out of my league? And you quickly find out you're not. Like whatever level you are, they kind of match they that. Meet you yeah, there. they match that level. But the second time, I knew that going in. So I know I know everything I need to know. I can talk with these people. I can hang with this. I know what the story is going to do. And I feel like if if you could have done that in a lower stakes environment of a couple hours show you would have gotten a lot more people excited to doing the full experience here. Yeah, for me, it definitely fed my love of Star Wars. Um, I went in as like, a, hey, like I've watched the four, five, and six. I've watched the new Star Wars. I actually have hadn't seen one, two, and three, and I'd watched the Bad Batch. So I, I, you know, I had some of that knowledge, but again, you know, a lot of it gets cloudy in my head. This time going in, I'd seen more. I'd seen the Clone Wars, and then when I left, I watched one and two. I'm about to finish watching three. Like it's made me into a much bigger Star Wars fan because I feel so much more immersed in the universe and it feels that much more real to me. And also the thing I love about Star Wars is that there are a lot of historical touch points in Star Wars. So if you don't really understand some of the political things or what's going on, you can kind of look back and said, well, George Lucas patterned this after this particular historical event. And it gives you like a a nice, like diving in point. So I I just think, yeah, it's really it's really blossomed for me. No, completely agree with that. And another thing that was, I feel like over and above our first experience was just galaxy's edge in general. There was some sort of magic going on Mm -hmm. um, in Batu when we were out there and all the characters were out and it, it felt like it tied in. I know a lot of people have said this about the star cruise of like galaxy's edge you see it in a different light whenever you're coming at it from the star cruiser. And I felt that a little bit the first time, but I really felt it this time, even like the missions, like we talked about the first time, like the missions felt like you're just kind of running around a little bit tedious, but there were more characters out. We met, I don't know if he was a Colonel or a Lieutenant he was playing, but it was somebody from the first order and he was over by Kylo Ren's ship. Uh, He came out and talked to us before he does like yeah. a like a like a speech out there he came and talked to us beforehand asked us our names worked our names into the speech that he was giving to everybody came out talked to us more it was just an absolutely incredible experience that i feel like 
because he knew we were on the star cruiser kind of tied everything in together. Well, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we were really into character and how we kind of showed that we were into character is by yelling for the order every chance we got. And so whenever he came out, we all together kind of yelled for the order. He pinpointed us and then he came over. We had the best conversation with him and he was trying to recruit, um, our friends had their nephew with them and he was not in the first order. So he was trying to recruit them and use, he was just bringing up all these really funny persuasive techniques for bringing him in. I mean, but that interaction was just top notch and it was incredible. Like we said our names like one time, maybe two. And then he was up on the stage shouting us out as loyal supporters. And I mean, the passion with which he was delivering his lines and everything like it really was, you know, kind of awe-inspiring and 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 just made you, I don't know, it just brought me in so much more. I It was a t- like one of the best character interactions I have had in the theme parks. Uh, just so good, better than like Mickey or even like Chippendale, who are some of my favorites. So he did such a great job bringing us in. And then the other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was um, kind of branching back to what Joe was saying about you know, knowing what to expect. I Disney bounded as Rapunzel a couple days before um, in the parks. And so I had a Pascal stuffed animal on me and I kind of like picked it up in my suitcase and I had joked with Joe. I was like, oh, I should take this down to the sublight lounge and wear it. And Joe was like, no, do that. Like they would love if you did that. So I put it on my skirt and then I acted like I picked it up in Batu and that I was afraid of it. So that was kind of like the beginning. So I was interacting with some of the people. Well, then Saja Cade came in and I knew he was going to see it. So I like went down, I looked down on my lap and I acted like I was afraid of it. And it just turned into this whole like shenanigan fiasco hilarious thing where he like grabbed it off of um like grabbed it off of me and he was like trying to find a way to contain it to figure out what it was and he was asking the expertise of other passengers and it was just this whole like very funny thing that happened and again you know maybe had we not done that before we would have been like oh this is not in universe like it's gonna be weird but we were just like hey you know What's the worst thing that can happen? Like, and he did such a great job of uh, yes anding that and just saying, well, now this creature is is kind of like in Star Wars. So what can I do with it? And it was just such a top notch experience. Um, that whole sublight lounge part, like even the Sabak part, I was I worked with um, another woman named Nicole, and we were playing it together. I was teaching her how to play it. It was just, it was just so fantastic. Like this. Uh, it's it's so hard to put in words like I'm, I'm really struggling to find the words that are are adequate to explain just how wonderful the interactions between both cast and the people aboard the the ship were I think overall the second voyage for me at least exceeded my expectations again I was going into it a little bit nervous was it better than the first voyage I mean I kind of put them like one in one a I mean it's <laughs> It is such an incredible experience. They both had amazing moments and unique experiences that's like, okay, on the first voyage, this, this, and this happened, which was incredible. On the second voyage, this, this, and this happened, which was incredible. So you, you had incredible moments um, in both of them. And, you know, I think looking back on this, you know, I think hopefully Disney takes out of this that 
it's not a failure. No, I mean, not at I, all. I think while maybe it didn't hit their profitability margin that they wanted, I, I have to feel this thing made money. Like deep down, looking at how these numbers run, it had to have made money. I just don't think it made, made enough. enough money for them that they wanted to kind of, you know, maintain this. But I hope Disney learns from this that people want immersion. Yes. We've mentioned the Adventurers Club. We did an episode on it. That was something that I think ran and for close to... some of those to... actors are actors yeah. on the Star Cruise. Correct. I think a couple of them play Croy and yeah. Uh, I think that lasted like close to 20 years though. I think the Adventurers Club ran. It ran for yeah. at least a decade. And people love that. That place yeah. was crowded. People would go there. It was the same thing every night. People would go back and return over and over again. Now, again, that's a restaurant. It's a much cheaper experience. It's easier to go multiple times, unlike the yeah. Star Cruiser. But but that did well. People loved it. There's a lot of people you talk about the Adventurers Club. People love it. Who've been, Oh, yeah, I went there. It was great. And I feel like the Star Cruiser is the same way. People are going to talk about, yeah, I went there. It was amazing. So I hope Disney can find a way to bring immersive experiences into the park somehow and again i get if if maybe this two or three night fully immersive voyage thing maybe that doesn't make sense but there has to be some way to do again dinner show smaller version adventurers club type thing like bring something like that in there because no other theme park has that. Universal no. isn't doing something like this. Nope. And it's a way for Disney to differentiate themselves yep. and kind of you know swing for the fence. And I think people will respond to it. If you can find the right price point, the right length, they have enough properties. I mean, you could do... You could basically, any Disney ride or property, you could do some sort of small immersive experience to make this work. People would love a Jungle Cruise immersive experience, a Haunted Mansion immersive experience. I mean, what we just talked about with the princesses, spending more time with, yeah. with the princesses. Slumber party with the princesses. Whoa. Like, yeah. like um, in Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I mean, Ralph you, breaks the internet. Yeah, you, you could really do this with anything, with Marvel. Um, and so hopefully they kind of take that away from it because... It, it is a great experience, and I feel like Disney needs to have something like this in the park somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to kind of think of like what kind of thoughts to sort of end on with this, and I, I kind of I knew that whenever I was live, I was going to have a really hard time putting it into words because articulation doesn't always work very well, but I'm better in writing. So I kind of wrote something down about kind of my feelings and my takeaway about the Star Cruiser. So I'm going to read that. For days, I grappled with why this trip was different for me and why it hit home more. And I think I landed on two things, appreciation and camaraderie. I realized as an adult, I've struggled putting myself out there. I joke with Joe about passing out friendship cards because I meet people sometimes or see someone in passing, running or wearing a Disney shirt or the Holy Grail, which is both. And I think that they're cool and I wish I could approach them and tell them, you know, that they are cool and ask them if, you know, maybe they would want to be friends with somebody who likes the same things. And the Halcyon takes those barriers away. Um, sorry. People, <laughs> people are there to enjoy themselves and have a good time. They seem more approachable. Maybe it's because I know they're a good sport enough to play along with what is something really amazing. Um, and pretend 
Or maybe it's because I know we have Disney and Star Wars in common. The Star Cruiser makes me feel at home with people that get that magic exists and that being an adult doesn't mean you have to grow up entirely. And I appreciate this place. It's why it was hard to leave and why it's hard for me to talk about it off the cuff. It's special because you care so deeply about the people aboard quickly, real and fake. And getting the chance to see some of the actors again that we saw the first time was inspiring. And it made me feel like I was seeing an old friend again, even though they probably didn't remember me. It's sad this place is going away without so many people being able to experience it. I'm really happy we got to go a final time. And from it, I think I'm going to take away that we are all looking for that acknowledgement and appreciation. People are out there to talk to and connect with. It's just up to me to put myself out there. And yeah, so that's <laughs> kind of how I feel. Well said. I should have brought a box of tissues here. Yeah, well, <laughs> well said. I think that does a great job of yeah, encapsulating what the Star Cruiser was and I think what it means to probably everybody that's, that was on it. Um, especially these last voyages of, you know, once it announced it was closed, people booking it. Um, I think everybody probably kind of feels that same way. So, you know, hopefully in the future we get something like this again. I mean, Disney seems to recycle ideas. Again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if not, this is kind of a, a audio time capsule of what the Star Cruiser was. So the next Disney podcast in the next 10 years when they're researching episodes about, oh, yeah, that one time Disney built an immersive Star Wars hotel um, because they're announcing some other immersive thing. Uh, and you can kind of look back on this uh, and remember fondly on it. So that wraps up our show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.